day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Lord Christ, light of life, light that enlightens everyone, light that the world's darkness has never overcome. Help us to know, however hopeless our world may seem, that our darkness is always luminous with your presence. Teach us to look for the inner light, the little glimpse of heaven in every life. By the power of your Spirit, help us to let the Christ who enlightens our heart seek the Christ who lives in some corner of every heart. Help us to walk cheerfully over the world, responding to your presence in every life, remembering that our days on earth are passing quickly and that there is little time to gladden the hearts of those who travel with us. Teach us to be swift to love and make haste to be kind. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the light of the world, amen. Now as we worship together in our hearts, receiving Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Our call to worship this morning comes from 116th Psalm. What shall we return to the Lord for all God's bounty to us? We shall lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. We shall offer God a thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Come, let us worship. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. God's mercy is afresh every morning for us. Trusting in that love and mercy, let us pray our confession together. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. 
we have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness that we may choose your will and obey your commandments. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God, who loves us at all times, has heard us, forgiven us, and made us anew. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. As forgiven children of God, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and seated on the head hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Welcome to worship at Church of the Palms on the television or in the sanctuary. We are very fortunate to have a chance to worship God. 
And please sign up those, sign your name in those friendship pads located on the ends of the pews so we can greet one another by name after worship. We have lots of good announcements. On Wednesday evening, there were 150 people who packed food for 10,000, 10,000 meals. And it was supposed to be um, sent, in, uh, sent to Haiti. And the people who, the 150 people were all ages and different generations, and that's really great. Speaking of Haiti, we would like to thank you, all the congregation, for your generous contributions towards Haiti relief effort. We gathered together $13,930. You can refer back to the bulletin to uh, read the breakdown. The blood drive is today, and we are all invited to give blood. And also, <laughs> yes, there is something very good that Jonathan will tell us at the end. Thanksgiving Eve, we will host a Thanksgiving service here in our church at um, 5 o'clock is going to be a reception in the campus center over there and worship at 6 o'clock. Our friends at the Temple Sinai will be joining us this Thanksgiving Eve. And devotional, Advent devotionals are available, so please make sure you pick up your Advent devotional and follow along every day for your devotion. It's a really, really good devotional put together by some of our very own members of this family. And Jonathan? I just want to give a really quick commercial for the three o'clock slot today. And uh, again, if you have plans already, just cancel them because three o'clock today, you need to be here. Um, this quartet that you've seen the funny name called Quartet, um, I, well, in a moment of weakness, they asked me to, to play for them. I'm, I'm actually accompanying them today. Um, they're probably going to regret it, but I'm going to tag along and try not to get in the way. Um, but we had them in rehearsal here yesterday and uh, they fill this place with sound. They don't need mics like most of us do. They just fill it with sound. If you picture your favorite tenor, your favorite mezzo, your favorite soprano, your favorite bass, these guys are it. These two women, these two men are unbelievable. They do things from Traviata and Mozart and so on, but they also do uh, You'll Never Walk Alone. They do Oklahoma. They do some a cappella numbers. It's just really a wonderful thing, and you will not want to miss it. So it's $10. You can get the tickets un under the tree, or you can just show up here. And uh, I'm telling you, if you regret it, you can get refunds from Genevieve. Um, <laughs> it's... It's going to be that good, I can promise you. So be here at three. Thank you very much. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to let Jonathan talk again. Um, we have a wonderful, uh, thank you, Jonathan. Here, Kathy, let's be here. Kathy is our, this works, right? Our food ministry director, coordinator, um, food pantry, and and everything else that has to do with feeding the hungry, ourselves or everyone else in town. So we are really blessed to have you here, Kathy. And because of our mission um, in the food pantry under the leadership of Kathy, we feed many. As I said earlier, Kathy is our one of the staff members, your staff member, we are your staff member. And so Kathy, for the last several years, you have 
overseeing the work of Church of the Palms Food Pantry. And we'd like for you to share with us a little bit about what's behind this outreach. Tell us about the basics of the food pantry. All right, well, we are open Monday through Friday from 10 to 4. The bulk of our needs are fulfilled by All Face Food Bank and by wonderful donors in the neighborhood, uh, from Publix to Save-A-Lot to some of the organic markets and farms, including many vendors and bakers from the farmer's market. We have 80-plus volunteers that head up our distribution center, as well as five teams of volunteers that come in Monday through Friday and faithfully pack up to 160 bags every day. We also have about 20 behind-the-scenes volunteers that go to local farms and markets and pick up our produce, sort it, and bring it over to the food pantry. Um, we are going to be a host site for the Veterans Mobile Food Pantry starting in January. That will come the second and fourth Tuesdays of every month. They're anticipating serving between 150 to 300 vets on those days. We're a host site for the Sprout Route, which is a mobile produce pantry that comes the first and third Wednesday of every month. And that's open from 10.30 to 12, and that's open to anybody that has a need. And they provide up to 20 pounds of fresh produce per client. And we've been serving about 120 clients on each of those days. And we are also the second largest food pantry in this area, and we're second only to All Face Food Bank. So, um, you tell us. So tell us about how much food we provide. Um, in the month of October, we received 620 requests. We sent out 1,069 bags. Uh, 813 children were served, and a total of 2,054 people were served during the month of October. The one demographic that we've seen change is the amount of immigrants that have been coming in from Hungary, Russia, Croatia, Somalia, as well as many Latin areas. And what we've tried to do is so that everybody is aware of how to utilize the food pantry and other services. We've been able to have everything typed up in several languages so that nobody comes in confused or definitely leaves confused. So what is the most important thing for our congregation to know about the mission of the food pantry? We outreach to all, we serve all, nobody is ever turned away with or without ID, with or without being on a client list. We serve many in the community as well as surrounding communities that are referred to us. We're always in need of volunteers. The more volunteers we have, the more outreach we can do and the more produce and products we can provide. And if requested, we play, pray with the clients and we also provide Bibles. So could you um, break down as to how many people we serve during the week, each week? Uh, each, it's, there's never a set number. It could be anywhere from as little as 300, but as many as 700 each week. Wow. Thank you very much for your ministry. Thank you. So as you can hear and see, this is the church that is reaching out in every way possible, in tangible ways to the community of Sarasota and surrounding in the love of God, in the name of Christ. This Sunday and the next Sunday, we are receiving um, donation or um, 
donation for food pantry special offering. The envelopes are in the pew pockets, and it's this Sunday and the next Sunday. And if you would prefer, you can also give for the food pantry online on the website. So it is exciting and wonderful to be a part of a community of faith like this. Now I would like to invite our new members to come forward. So you can face the congregation. We have today, joining this family of faith, um, Jack Siebert is not able to come here today, but we, as we, um, as I name your name, call out your name, if you don't mind, please raise your hand. And this is a church where we believe loving God and loving neighbor we try to practice that in near and far as we have just heard about the food pantry, for example. We're very grateful that you have joined this family of faith. Nancy, uh, Nancy Richter, and um, thank you. Steve and Beth Ruther, and Jeff and Kendra Polashek, and also Maureen and Clara. Thank you. And Joseph and Vonnie Abla. Thank you very much for making your decision to become officially a part of this family of faith. Now you can turn around and face me. As we do in Presbyterian Church, we asked a few membership questions, which is not new to you. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. yes. Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and show his love? Will, will you give yourself in every way? Thank you, and welcome to Church of the Palms as full members. Now, let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, we begin this Thanksgiving week thanking you for our new members of the church family. We thank you for the skills, experience, faith, and hope they bring as they joined us. We thank you as well for all who have been and are now your church in this place. Bless us, O God, and bless our ministries and mission in your name, near and far, we pray. Merciful God, Hear our prayers for those who are ill or grieving or caught in overwhelming struggle. Give them your healing grace and mercy, we pray. In this season of change, we thank you, O God, that you are the Lord of the nature and we can trust our concerns and hopes to your care. In that spirit, we lift our concern for our government, those caught in places of war and want and need. We pray for those in the military, mission, and humanitarian work all around the world. Give your mercy of safety to all those who travel this season, we pray. Receive the gratitude of our hearts, for we are your thankful people. Now we bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us give a welcome to our new members. mercy for us. Let us continue to worship God through the giving of our offerings and tithings.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for all your blessings in our lives. Not only that you give us what we need and some of what we want, you bless us enough that we could feed the hungry and clothe those who are in need. And we are able to give out many in the name of Christ in mission near and far. We give you thanks for all these blessings and we pray that you will help us to be generous as you have been, you who do not spare even your only son and give to us. We pray that you'll help us to be even more generous than we are today and help us to know how much you love us and receive these gifts of our love back to you so that the gospel may be spread near and far even to those who have not heard about it, although they have been around it. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated as our children come forward. And there was a homeless sleepover last night here, and we'll hear all about it. All right, guys. If all the children will come to the stairs, like usual, we have some things. <laughs> All right, you guys can come up here. Do you guys want to? Yeah, you stand up. So maybe you guys know, or maybe you guys saw it this morning in the courtyard, there were lots of boxes, and that is what these kids and some teenage helpers and adults, that is what we slept in. It was the homeless sleepover, and we did it because we wanted to see what it was like to put ourselves in those of the people who don't have homes. So we're gonna share a few things that we learned, our experiences. We had a great time. We shopped at Walmart for the Salvation Angels. We sang songs around the campfire, and we just kind of, we basked in God's love the whole night. So here's what we learned. Our verse comes from Matthew. unto me and we slept in car car cardboard boxes last night <laughs> we learned that 25% of the homeless people are children when you do nice things for other people it's for God feeling the experience makes you love them more every person is a child of God Paying forward is a godly thing. And we learned that, or we, how we can help is? Carry granola bars and water to give away. You can give a gift card to a fast food restaurant. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Thought, Father, thank you for allowing us to learn what it is like to live without all these materials. Thank you for allowing us to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, and thank you for showing us that your love extends to people all shapes and all sizes, homeless or not, and thank you for just pouring your love over us this entire weekend. Amen. All right, guys, we can come on this way.
You know, it just doesn't seem like Sunday morning without Pastor Steve here. By that I mean he knows certain things on Sunday morning and mentions them, and I simply can't match him in that. I don't know what happened to the University of Michigan yesterday. <laughs> <clears throat> but to uh, begin with something of, a, of an athletic note, uh, let me thank Coach Steve for letting me come on the field and play in the game as his relief preacher. <laughs> the, the text that was assigned to me was from the 31st chapter of the book of the prophet Jeremiah. And what is so fascinating about this text is that it was of great interest to early Christians. For that matter, you can read this text in either the Old Testament or the New Testament because it is quoted in its entirety in the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, what it's saying is that there's going to come a day, it's this promise, when God's law is going to be written on the very lining of our hearts, we are going to, like second nature, know the will of God, know the law of God, and joyously, instinctively obey God's will for our lives. Putting it in today's terms, it sounds like it's a promise that someday there's going to be a, a, a download of an entirely new operating system in our hearts. Or like saying we're going to have a new spiritual GPS navigation system. Or the Quakers might say that an inner light is going to be installed within us. And we're going to respond to God's law. Uh, after I read that passage, uh, I'm going to read uh, some verses uh, from the opening of John's Gospel where it talks about this light. where the coming of the Christ, God's special word to us is called the light that enlightens everyone. But first let's read the words that are in Jeremiah, but I'm going to read them to you as they fall in the New Testament, and they're identical. But I'm going to read them to you in the, that wonderful paraphrase by my old acquaintance, Eugene Peterson, uh, in his colorful translation called The Message. And here's the way he puts it. Heads up, the days are coming when I'll set up a new plan for dealing with Israel and Judah. I'll throw out the old plan I set up with their ancestors when I led them by the hand out of Egypt. They didn't keep their part of the bargain, so I looked away and let it go. This new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time I'm, I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. They won't go to school to learn about me or buy a book called God in Five Easy Lessons. They'll all get to know me firsthand, the little and the big, the small and the great. They'll get to know me by being kindly forgiven with the slate of their sins forever wiped clean. And then from the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, that is, face to face with God. And the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and without him. Not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I could not, I can't say that I was immediately happy to be assigned this passage because as soon as I looked after it, at it after Pastor Steve assigned it to me, I saw one big problem with it. And the big problem is that this promise of the coming of some light, some inner light, some uh, word of God written upon the lining of our hearts, it doesn't seem to have happened. And by that I mean, here we are, Christians, the people of the second covenant, of the new covenant, and you'd think if this had happened, the church would be a sign of happiness and harmony as we instinctively, each of us in our own way, uh, respond second nature to God's will for our lives. And I only can say that over 50 plus years of ministry, I never served such a congregation. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had very happy congregations with wonderful ordinary people who seemed to live by the will of God in their lives and live harmoniously with one another. But you know, there were always a few and sometimes more than a few. And they said they were followers of Jesus uh, and that they had this download but they seem to be following a different Jesus. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when you look at the whole worldwide family of Christian faith, I don't think you see evidence of the fact that we, by second nature, do the will of God. Why Christians across the worldwide family of faith won't speak to one another, uh, hate one another, speak evil of one another. Uh, some of them are crazy almost, racist, bigoted, all in the name of Jesus, it doesn't look like this thing happened. It's so bad, you know, at times uh, when I'm with a group of strangers, they find out that I'm an ordained minister and they talk, start talking about the Christian faith. I almost feel nowadays I have to make it clear, look, I try to be a follower of Jesus, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> so here's what I wonder. I wonder if this promise is a promise of something yet to come or if it is a reminder of something that was always there from the beginning that needs to be remembered, recovered, rekindled. That there's a light that was always there and every once in a while we have to be reminded to turn it back on. Now follow me through sort of a quick run through scripture because I think scripture bears witness to the fact that the light, some spark of the divine was always there. There are two creation stories in the, in the book of Genesis, you know, and the first one, everything is just fine. And what it says is God says, let us make humankind in our own image, in our likeness. There it is right there. Uh, we are the children of God. As we bear the image and likeness of our earthly parents, there's something in us, something about our very createdness 
that bears the image of God. You can call it the divine spark, the inner light, or whatever. But we are the adopted children of God. We are created in his image. There is something of God in every human life. And I can't find any place in the Bible where it says we lost that likeness. We may not see it always in one another, but I can't find anything in scripture that says we ever ceased being the children of God with something, something of that divine image within us. Now I can hear someone saying, oh, Morgan, you've forgotten. There's a second creation story and it's about the fall and original sin. Well, I know there's a second creation story, but maybe you haven't noticed that the word fall and the word sin are not in that second creation story. Take a look at it, because it's a beautiful story. It says the Lord God, it's a different name for God in the second story. His name is really Yahweh, but when you see it in scripture, it says that the Lord God. It says that he got his hands dirty. He took some earth and got it wet. And he forms this little person. He gets really involved in this. But he doesn't put this little mud thing into uh, an oven to bake it and make it a statue. Instead, he goes, he breathes on it. He breathes into it the breath of life. And you know that ever since that moment, we are breathing the breath of God, the name of God. You know, ancient rabbis call attention to the fact that this name of God, Yahweh, is replicated in our breath. Draw in Yah, draw out Huey, Yahweh. You can whisper it. It was the first word you ever spoke without knowing it when you came out of your mother's womb and when you breathe your last and return home to your creator, it will be the last word that you speak. We don't decide to breathe, we just do breathe. You can no more stop saying the name of God in your very act of breathing than you can stop breathing. A beautiful picture. And the story goes on. We move into the third chapter, and now there are two of these little people who in their very breath are naming the name of God and it looks like they've become teenagers now in the third chapter because they've gotten to the point where they're going to be given some choices, where they're going to be given freedom of choice. And we hear God talking to them in the garden and saying, now here are the trees. Here's what's good. Here's what's not so good. These are the choices. God has to take this risk of giving them freedom of choice. Your children can't grow up unless you get to the point where you take the risk of saying, you know, you, you've got to grow up and make some choices. It's, it's that point where we say, well, now mom and dad are going to be out on Friday night and you can have some friends in, but uh, here are the choices and here are the consequences. They have come to this point. And what happens when God gives them this freedom of choice? Well, it's like the story was written yesterday. It's like our story. God leaves them alone in the garden and they make a very bad choice. It doesn't say they, they fell and were infected with original sin, but we hear a very sad word. 
I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Not original sin, original fear. We became creatures who are afraid, afraid of our very best friend, creator, and father. And it is no accident that from this point on in the Bible, the most frequently repeated two words are fear not. The rest of the Bible is the story of God following these creatures who have become creatures of fear and who out of fear do terrible things, hate one another, kill one another, following them and continually saying to them, fear not. But, as you see, the time has come to move into plan B. Plan A hasn't worked, so we move into plan B, and it's time to move out, out of the garden and east of Eden. It's that point where sooner or later, you know, we have to say to our children, you know, it's time you uh, get a job, uh, work by the sweat of your brow, pay your own car insurance and your own cell phone bill, get married and have children. Nothing will help you to grow up like having your own children. And they move out into the east of Eden. Does God desert them? No. Does God keep telling them, reminding them of the bad choice they made in Eden? It's never mentioned again. God continues to pursue them. God gives them a law which will give them life. He sends them prophets. And it's not a story of total darkness. It's imperfect, but God is after them. And certain of them uh, seem to catch on. There are some wonderful stories of those who remembered that there was a light. There's Enoch who walked with God and he was not. God took him home early. He was not, but he walked with God. There's Noah. Noah wasn't a perfect man. He built a, a vineyard and uh, the bottle became a little bit of his problem. But it says of him, he was a righteous man and blameless in his generation and he walked with God. That's not all darkness. Then there's uh, Abraham. He was subject to fear. He once nearly compromised his wife, but it says of him he was the friend of God. And there's Moses. He had a temper problem, but he knew God face to face. And then there's Elijah, who lived so closely to God that God took him home in a special ride in a chariot of fire. These are not stories of darkness. Here and there, there are people they bear witness to the fact that all the darkness never overcame the light. But finally, in the fullness of time, there came one who let the light shine fully through him. God came down to earth, became one of us. And in a limited mind and a limited body like yours and mine, let that light shine completely until they realized that he was not only divine, that he was human, but he was the light of lights, the light that enlightens everyone, and that light shined perfectly through him. Let's be sure we're talking about the same person. When we talk about Jesus, we are not talking about a superhuman. He lived within a limited mind and body like ours. 
He was not Superman. He didn't do what he did because he had some extraordinary powers. That's an early heresy to believe that he's more divine than human. He was not like Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter of the Daily Planet who underneath his street clothes is Superman, and that's not Jesus. He is one of us. He was offered the power to jump off the temple, and he said, no, that's not me. I'm one of them, bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. It seems that he was a, a simple, a plain man. He was born into a family that was dirt poor. Don't ever get a picture that they're exceptional. Here were the slaves at the bottom. Here were the people who had some property up here. They had lost their property. They weren't carpenters. The best translation of what they were is handymen. They had to find work wherever they could get it. They were poor people, dirt poor. If they arrived here on a Sunday morning, they'd come in a car all patched up with, with duct tape or something. The greeters would stand out and say, outside and, see, and say to themselves, uh, they must have gotten lost. They don't look like they belong here. They didn't look Presbyterian. <laughs> they'd come walking up the, the driveway, and another greeter would say, here come the deplorables. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't look Presbyterian. And furthermore, Jesus wasn't good looking. And my scripture for that is Isaiah 53. Early Christians loved Isaiah 53, but what does it say? He has no form or comeliness, which is to say, if he passed you on the street, you wouldn't take a second look. He was a plain and ordinary person. Get out of your mind all of the Hollywood images he was one of us, very plain and ordinary. He had a body like ours. He got so tired once that he fell asleep in the middle of a storm in the back of a ship. He appears to have been a very happy man. He had lots of friends, but they weren't the right kind of people. Prostitutes felt comfortable with him, hated tax collectors and other undesirables. When they criticized Jesus, they said he eats with sinners. But he seemed to enjoy bread and wine and fish and once a year roast lamb. In fact, he seemed to enjoy being with his friends and enjoying plain bread and wine so much that his enemies accused him of being a wine-bibber and a glutton. That's what they said about him, and he never denied it. <laughs> but he was also a holy man. He didn't have a higher education, but he knew some scripture. He didn't come downloaded with the whole Hebrew and Greek text like is in my cell phone. But he knew some scripture, and the point is, he lived scripture. And when he talked about scripture, the common people listened because he lived it and obeyed it. And because of that, because this light of God flowed through his life, he healed people. This intense light of God flowed through his life and burned out that cancerous fear that is at so much of the heart of our disease. He was a healer. And his greatest healing moment was not the raising of Lazarus. It came at the very end, when on the cross, all of the hatred of the world was poured out on him, and he looked down and said, Father, forgive them. And we were there. 
There's a piece of Caesar and the Roman Empire we've never gotten out of our systems. We were all there, and we were all forgiven. God was in Christ reconciling the world, not a special few, the world unto himself. It was done, over and done. We were forgiven totally forever. And a miracle began to happen, this thing that was promised. Paul says, we died with him. We rose with him. We ascended with him into the very presence of God, back up into plan A, at the very right hand of God. You have died, says Paul, and your life, your real life, is hidden with Christ in God. That's where your real life is. Jesus took it there at that moment. That's where real living begins. That's where we set our feet on lofty places and have our lives filled with heavenly graces. And that's where you come into the story because the story goes on in your life. There's so much that Jesus never got to do that still needs to be done. He never got to be married and have children. He could have, but he didn't. So let him live in your family life. Show the world what it means when Christ lives in your family. He never got to play a musical instrument. Let him play some glorious music through, through your life. He, he never got to run a business. Let him run your business, a real business, where you realize that God has prospered you to share your prosperity, not on lavish living, but upon the poor in whose presence Jesus is incarnate. And don't say, I'm too old for this. I wish I heard this sermon years ago. No, he never got to grow old. So let him adorn the sunset years of your life with a glory beyond any sunset you've ever seen. Don't say, I can't walk well anymore. Hobble along with him. Whether it's a cane or a walker or a wheelchair, roll on with a smile on your face and let the world know that you've said yes to the will of God, that you are living this higher life that you were meant to live. Turn on your inner light. Go out of here this morning and let your life tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Let your life never be the same again. Let's put it this way. Go out of here this morning singing like a little child. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> and all God's people said, amen. amen. <laughs>
So go in peace and greet our new members who will be standing by the flag over indoor, please. It's kind of chilly out there. So as you go out of the sanctuary, please stop and greet our new members and welcome them into the family of faith here. Now go in peace, remembering your inner light that God has given you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Thank you. 